Welcome back to I'm Not Selling You Anything, the only podcast in B2B tech that isn't boring. On this episode, we're joined by Jen Allen Knuth. She got her start back when the internet wasn't really a thing, which is surprising because Jen and I are kind of the same age. And I refuse to think back that far. From CEB Gartner to Chief Evangelist at Challenger, the co-founder of Social Social, and now also showcasing her talents at Lavender. Stick with us and find out why Demand Jen finds herself firmly entrenched in everyone's top right quadrant. That was a Gartner reference. Vamos! Hey, 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 real quick. If you think you're too early to use sales bricks, you're wrong. Why? Because you're never too early to get started on the right foot. Price, quote, and invoice your customers on day one with sales infrastructure that scales with you. No more building this from scratch and having 15 different tools that have to shell out for and keep up with. I mean, you wouldn't start a company without an email address. Then why would you start selling software without SalesBricks? Head on over to www.salesbricks.com and start building better revenue today. Jen, welcome to Sales Brick Studio South here in Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us on I'm Not Selling You Anything. Thank you for having me. I am genuinely pumped up to be here. So just to set the stage, Jen, before she popped on, posted on LinkedIn that she had a fun podcast to join. And now there's too much pressure. Now <laughs> I have to make this fun. Jen, are you pumped? Are you ready to go? I'm so ready. I've been All ready right. since I woke up this morning. Let's do All right. it. All right, let's do this. Jen, what is your superhero origin moment? You looked at the world one way, then something happened, and that moment has led you to where you are today. There have been a few. I'm going to pick my favorite one. March 2021, just, just starting to post on social, scared to death of being trolled, being wrong, being corrected. And so the way I handled that is I would just post a bunch of really safe things. I would post data, bar charts, graphs, and it was insightful. And I would get decent engagement and people would be like, I didn't know that. That's cool. And then Josh Braun reached out to me and said, Jen, noticing your content, mind if we have a conversation. And in that conversation, long story short, he basically called me out for being way too safe and having no personality or opinion whatsoever. Wow. And that single conversation completely changed the way I showed up on social, which completely changed the trajectory of my career. And I would not be in the job that I'm in today. I would have not had the experiences I've had since 2021 had it not been for that conversation. Josh Braun, teaching my wife sales, I think is one of his things, yeah. something like that. I really enjoy that down in Boca Raton, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I haven't seen him pop up in a while. That's such a great origin story just because A, it wasn't that long ago and B, it was someone calling you out from a complete stranger as well. I've been following him for a while. He knew I was a fan of ah, him. Okay. And his intentions were from a really good place. That's essentially what he said. And I was glad he said it because I would have been probably just chucking along, writing boring content up until today if he had not. Thank you so much for that answer. And Josh Braun, thank you so much for telling Jen that she needs to step her game up. <laughs> Jen, you've been in the SaaS game for a bit, started with CEB before it was Gartner. Tell me something about that experience that a 25-year-old selling SaaS today wouldn't believe. I'm going to date myself. 
big time. I started at CEB in 2004 and I was selling a $50,000 subscription to CMOs. That's not little, that's not pocket change. It's not, but what was <laughs> wild is you could one call close that stuff. This was before the internet was really that big. It wasn't as robust to be able to go out and learn on your own. So we were basically <laughs> selling access to best practices. People would hear it. They'd hear the pitch. They'd say, sure, I'll buy it. And then all I had to do was send an email with contract terms that were like basically a pinky promise. And they responded, yes, I agree. There was no procurement. There was no legal. There was no redlining. It was that simple. I do miss those takes, if I'm <laughs> honest. That was really, really cool. That is extremely surprising just because it feels like we've made up a lot of jobs. Thoughts on that? I mean, I would love it if someone had not made procurement and we just settled <laughs> with finance. Why was finance not good enough? They care about money. Why did we need to add another layer to the pie here? Exactly. Procurement, sales bricks. You don't need procurement. Get yourself <laughs> sales bricks. All right. That is pretty, just the no LinkedIn thing, right? So you didn't have to do demos or anything? No demos. There was nothing to demo. It was just more of a concept at the time. And yeah, there was no LinkedIn. When I tried to schedule meetings, I was calling through switchboards. The whole game was how do you get around gatekeepers? I haven't said the word gatekeeper in probably five years. Are there gatekeepers? Are there people still well, doing that? Absolutely. People on the what? phones, absolutely still use gatekeepers. That kind of leads me into this next question a little bit. Jen, I saw that you worked at Challenger. I love their books. How did you manage to keep a straight face every time that you told people that you were the chief <laughs> evangelist there? That is a very fair question. It was difficult. No, no, I'm kidding. Seriously though, but I think it's pretty cool. It was actually the first time I've ever seen that job. How does someone prepare themselves and eventually get that kind of role? Yeah, well, it goes back to the first answer I had where Josh said, you need to have a personality. You need to show up. People are not just judging the information you post about, but they're judging you and what you have to say about it. And so after I had that conversation with him, I started posting more on LinkedIn and I started sharing, you know, here's an opinion and here's something I heard and a problem. And I started noticing that there was a lot of senior sales leaders that I didn't even think were on LinkedIn showing up in my inbox saying, hey, you really nailed that problem. It's something we're seeing really big here. Can we have a conversation? Not sure if I want to buy Challenger or not, but I want to talk to you about this because you seem to know a little bit about it. And so from the balance of March 2021 to the end of the year, it just started happening that I was getting a lot of leads. They just weren't in my territory. So I made the case and said, look, I think there's something to this as a general go-to-market motion. Oh. And when I looked out and started searching for, what do we call that? I didn't want to be like an influencer or social seller. I landed on an article from Ethan Butte at BombBomb and he was interviewing Dan Steinman at Gainsight and Guy Kawasaki, who obviously was the evangelist at Apple and a bunch of other big companies now at Canva. And they were talking about this role of starting a conversation around problems where your customers go to learn. I was always selling to salespeople, sales leaders, even though they don't post, they lurk and they learn often on LinkedIn. They lurk. Yep. And so I used the job description I grabbed from that article and I approached my CEO and I said, hey, I know this is a really weird title. I haven't found a better one, but would you be open to us formalizing it into a role and seeing what it does for demand generation and ended off paying up really well. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Had you seen that role elsewhere and that's what kind of gave you the inspiration? Yeah, it was when I read that article. I was like, oh, this feels like exactly what I feel like the role should be, but I've never loved the title. 
I think the title is just conjuring up, you know, like Steve Martin and a big- I'm on, yeah, that's where I am. I'm thinking Righteous Gemstones. I'm thinking Judy Gemstone. That's Probably the funniest character on all of HBO right now. Oh my gosh. But it was a conversation starter. I'll give it that. As much as it was weird, people would be like, what even is an evangelist? And so it opened up- Let me tell you, that's what it is. If everyone was like, what is Sales Bricks? I'd be having a lot more conversations. (laughs) I need to do better on the marketing front. Damn it! All right. How did you come up with Demand Gen? D-E-M-A-N-D-J-E-N. That's how I'm saying it, people. Not G-E-N. Demand Gen. It's absolutely brilliant. I wish I could take credit for this. My old boss at Challenger, Adam, knew my biggest thing I harped on was that sellers should be playing a bigger role in generating demand, not just sitting around and waiting for it. And so when I said I was leaving and I said, I think I'm going to stand up a business and do SKO keynotes and things like that. He was like, well, the obvious name for your business needs to be demand gen. And I was like, this is the single greatest thing you've ever done for me as a boss. It is brilliant. So all kudos to Adam Mod for that one. Even though it was delivered with obvious. So it's just like, this is obvious, Jen. How'd you miss this? No wonder you're out the door. Um, Okay, that's good. No, it's really smart. And I think it's really humble of you to not have taken the credit because a lesser person would have. Me. Jen, what do you like to do when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused? What gets you back on track? Mm, That happens a lot. So I can give a credible answer here. Unfocused is usually because I'm putting off something I don't want to do because I know it's a big, ugly task. So when I'm on my best behavior, I just do the big, ugly task instead of all the little shit that I'm trying to do to convince myself I'm getting work done. Eat the frog. That's what it is. Overwhelmed has been one I've struggled with candidly for the last few years. Taking on creating a new role is hard because you feel like there's always more work you need to do to justify it. Starting a new job like I did at Lavender in January, you feel like, hey, they made a big fuss about me joining. I've got to show them they didn't make a bad decision. So the thing I'm learning to do and still work in practice is actually just start communicating it. I had a conversation with my boss, Will Allred, and I was like, I'm completely underwater and I feel really icky having this conversation because I feel like you're going to think you made a bad hire but I need to speak up because I don't know how to prioritize my stuff. And it was the single best conversation I've probably ever had with a manager. And it's just, it's in my head, right? They're going to think I'm a loser. They're going to think I can't do this job. You got to speak up. They're not I think that all the time. And I realized in a little bit of more roundabout way, I read somewhere, how do you maximize a one-on-one with your, you know, your, your boss, right? Your boss. I don't like saying that my CEO is my boss because then people will think I'm important. So one of the things to maximize is I've got my list of things. There's 10 things that we're juggling. Here's what they are. And this is how I have them prioritized at this moment. How would you reorganize this in your opinion? So I'm not losing my mind. How do you put that into motion, right? You can tell someone, then you hope that the person on the other end understands and says, this is what we're going to do, right? I guess for people who don't know how to approach that conversation, take a little bit of what Jen said there. Maybe take a lot of the things that you're doing and prioritize them and ask for guidance in that end. Because if you don't ask for guidance, At the end, it's going to be like, well, you didn't tell me that you were struggling. You didn't tell me that these things that were supposed to be done were supposed to be done a week ago, a month ago, et cetera. So moral of the story, speak up. Speak up. Remember your PDF offer letter when you were a candidate interviewing? Now, offer letters, they haven't changed in decades. They still look the same. Do you know how much more excited your candidates would be if they actually understood their equity, their benefits, their salary, their growth potential? I feel like the company I'm about to join is truly looking out for me, for their people. And with a market for talent being more competitive than ever, you should consider differentiating yourself where few others have. See for yourself at complete.so. That's complete.so. 
Jam, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, I think you're going to give me a really hard time for this. That's fine. That's fine. I went to see a Coldplay concert at Soldier Field in Chicago last May, and I have not shut up about Coldplay since. It changed my life. I will listen to Coldplay every time I'm in the car. I know it's ridiculous, and I know it's basic, but I love it. I can't get enough. So you went to go see them at Soldier Field. Was it covered? No. Coldplay played coldly, would you no, say? No, it was in the summer. It was in the uh, summer. We don't no. have cold weather all year around. We have some I just summer. I saw the war. I needed to put <laughs> the two next to each other. No, it was so good. We went on a Friday. We loved it so much. We woke up the next day and said, this has to be our kids' first concert, and then went back the next day. That's how much of a wacko fan I am of them. How much? What was the premium on that day, too? Because everything must have been sold out. Were there just tickets sitting around? It was an investment. It was a well worth investment for okay, your I mean, kids' listen. first concert. That's a big deal. What was your first concert? My first concert, I went and saw Thursday. Wow, I haven't been asked that. I think I went and saw Thursday in 1997, somewhere in New Jersey, or was it Long Island? It was like, I don't know. I shouldn't have been allowed there <laughs> type thing. It was like, it was a lot of fun. Jen, what is something absurd or unusual about yourself that you absolutely love? What makes you weird? This was the question that I loved. Of all the questions I've ever been asked, no one's ever asked me this. And I love it. And my first answer was going to be, I don't really mind when my dog licks my face. And then I thought that's kind of gross and not that interesting. So Gosh, I thought about Bob it more. Would be like, are you serious with that answer? <laughs> He's like, tone it down. Go back to graphs. So I thought about it more. And actually my answer, this is a really good question for me to ask myself. It's that I am 41 now and I'm not married. I've never had my own kids. Now I'm getting married in a week and a half and I've got four stepkids now. But for a really long time, I felt unusual because I was very successful in my career and what I had deemed to be very unsuccessful in my personal life. And so mm. as a woman, I struggled with that a lot. I felt like naturally it comes up in the course of a conversation with a client or a prospect. You know, what's your husband do or how old are your kids and things like that. And it was a source of a lot of shame for me for a while. So I think wow. now looking back, I'm really proud of the path that I took. But for a really long time, I felt unusual for saying that. And now I'm happy with where I am. What an answer. I'm telling you right now, I've interviewed, this is, I guess, the 42nd one. That's easily the best answer. Aww. That's really good. I mean, just not, you know, taking the road less traversed. It's not the traditional way of going about it, right? And then, of course, in that small talk with clients, you talk about family stuff. And I guess when it seems like you're not fresh out of college, you don't ask those. And it's fine if you don't have one then. But if it's someone that has been doing the game for a little while and gets asked that, I guess most people sort of just assume that it's going to be like, yay, I've got a partner here. Yeah. But when it turns into like, no, I, I don't have kids. <laughs> It's like that awkward dead pause. Okay. Did they die? All right. <laughs> next one. Here we go. Jen, give us a prediction for software sales in 2023. What stays the same? What changes? I hope to God that we start rethinking the SDR role and the SDR motion. Specifically, I hope we stop just beating the drum on volume and hoping that's going to solve the problem and actually start thinking about like candidate. If I had a sales organization, I would never, no one would want me to do that. I wouldn't want to do it. But if I did, I would have SDRs almost less focused on hand raisers, which I think, you know, you get a chili piper, they can self-serve themselves. Raise my hand. I want a meeting. Great. Do it. I would have SDRs looking at people who are learning, not yet ready to buy and engaging with them with really smart content, thoughtful stuff and helping them learn instead of trying to force a meeting to buy down their throat. That would be my 
hope. It's like, I guess there'd be more emphasis on becoming a product specialist there, right? Because if you see I, people- products, I would say a problem specialist, like get problem really hard on like the problem and help people learn what are all the different avenues that could solve this problem. Our product being one, but maybe there's other stuff, right? Like that's the That's the problem right there. What you just said. You're telling me you're going to hire people for them to talk about someone else's product. That's a big problem, but- I'm with you. It's a problem specialist. That's a fantastic way of putting it. I'll give you a perfect example. We would have calls with people to talk about challenger training. Training wasn't always the right lever to pull. Sometimes these companies just needed to reorganize or they needed to think differently about their tech stack. And if I just constantly tried to make it about training, I never would have sold the amount of deals that I did. But I was very thoughtful about saying, based on the way you talk about the problem, maybe you need to do this first and then come back to training. And I think that's what buyers appreciate is if it's not just a coin operated motion. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you do the thing that I guess you're never taught is turn them away for a second and eventually they come back. But that's about this new role. That's what we're trying to do. It needs to change in a way. And maybe that's the tonic. Hopefully it is. I'm with that because it reminds me kind of of what we're doing at SalesBricks a little bit. Our go-to-market team is not huge, but it's a good way of putting it. It's a problem specialist. Jen, I love asking everyone this question. Who do you think we should interview next? I'm going all in on GB. AKA Gabrielle Blackwell at now culture amp. Now at culture amp. I saw that she is located in Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that you should absolutely interview her in person. She's an SDR leader. She's someone who I think is a leader for the right reasons. She's so sharp. She knows sales inside and out. I think she's, she's great. Person. She's I a think she's, badass. She seems pretty badass. That's a really good answer. Thank you. We have arrived at the final question of our conversation, our interview. It happens to be everyone's favorite question. Are you ready? I think so. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Easy. It would be a big fat adopt, don't shop because my passion in life is getting all those little rescue baby dogs and cats rescued. Baby dogs and cats? What about like a baby pig? Oh, you know what? We have a ferret in this house. So you're right. All the rescue animals, okay. all of the shelter animals. I think that's really good. Just because I recently saw some sad stuff about <sighs> how they, you know, puppy mills, I guess. I'm like, eh. Plus, I'd like to have a dog soon. So it's been coming up as far as like, okay, am I going to go and see whatever? But there's some decent applications applications that are out there where you can just, you can adopt that way. The animals that are in the shelter near you or something like that. Petfinder. Petfinder.com. That's literally the one. Yeah. You can go in and say, I want a hyperallergenic. I want big, small, potty tree, everything. It's like Bumble for dogs and it's only shelter dogs. And I'm going to be on your ass about adopting a dog now that you told me that. You just brought this on yourself. I'm sorry. I did. I did. Is it going to make me more fulfilled and less lonely? Are you kidding me? I don't the know. only reason I survived being single for so long was because of these beautiful little four-legged creatures. Okay. It would change your world. You need to have a dog. You give me dog vibes. Yeah. I'm a dog. All right. Cool. <laughs> Jen, how do you think we did? I don't. I mean, who cares? Because I just had the best half hour of my day with you. So <laughs> I, I loved it. We're going to have to remarket this as <laughs> come on the show and have the best half hour of your day. <laughs> am I going to put it on the internet for everyone to listen to? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay. I truly enjoyed our conversation. We Thanks. didn't even bring up the fact that we went to Penn State together. Yeah, that, it would have been that. a crutch. We didn't need it. It would have been a crutch. I didn't need it. You mm -hmm. certainly didn't need it. But you know who needs to listen to this? Everyone. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending some time with me and showing up and joining me on I'm Not Selling You Anything. I'll catch you on the internet.
Leaders are mind readers. If you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, let them know. Speak up. Don't be a chicken because it might be too late by the time you get the nerve. I think we need to normalize highly successful, charismatic, thoughtful, kind, and beautiful women in their 40s who aren't married. There's no shame in any of that. Thank you, Jen, for sharing that deeply personal answer to the what makes you weird question. And congrats on your recent nuptials. And thanks to you, our listeners, for, you know, listening. Tune in next week when I interview GPT-4 after I used it to write this entire episode. Okay, bye!